listen to the show then. <laughs> you, you, I doubted it. I doubted it. And that was the down. problem. You can't doubt. When you're going to jump into the show, you can't have doubts. And that's what I had. Welcome to Dunstan Checks Min. I'm Emily Monkeytown. I'm Lord Andrew. And this is the show where we watch and review uh, one minute of the 1996 ape film Dunstan Checks In, and we pair it with another feature film. We are very honored with us. We're honored with us. Honor is with us. And you know who else is with us? It's Susan Lee. Hello. Hi. Um, sorry. We, we, of course, uh, we, we have you here for uh, a Spooky Summer, which is our ongoing series on horror movies. Um, we previously covered the horror movies Drag Me to Hell and The Dilemma. Um, okay. And oh, Nucky's having an issue. My, we've got it. We got it. We got a medical emergency. My dog is coughing. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was going into a vomit, and I was like, "Well, better move my shoe." Yeah, he's he seems good now. That's, that I'm, was the- I'm in a living room with three cats, so um, unpredictability may reign in my living room right now. Yeah, so. yeah. that's fair. <laughs> I do. I, I think a dog vomiting is part of Spooky Summer. <laughs> yes. That's interesting. Because it scared me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. You did. You got a little scared there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Minute 45. That's correct. Which, Emily, you have paired with... The Shining. Yeah. Not the miniseries. Not the miniseries. Not the Mark Webber starring miniseries. Mm-hmm. Do you think I can pull a second name from that miniseries? Maybe. I can't. Okay. <laughs> um, I never saw it. I only ever saw, you know, the Kubrick. You saw... You'd seen the film prior to this, though. Yes. Susan, we did have you on here as, as somewhat of a horror expert. I, I trust you had seen the film before. Well, I'd seen um, The Shining when it first came out, and then I saw. I, I'll, I'll preface all of this with saying I'm I really despise this film. Oh, that's that's fair. <laughs> I, I you know. I, yeah, I, I I'm a huge I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Um, I won't say I'm a horror expert, but uh, I do tend to walk on the dark side of things. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I run a panel called Women on the Dark Side, and we cover everything from horror to thrillers to dark comedy and all that. Um, but somebody told me the way to approach this film instead of looking at it as an adaptation of the f- novel is to look at it just strictly as a Stanley Kubrick film. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't make me like it any better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think actually a more important question for this podcast is, uh, Susan, have you seen Dunstan Checks In? I have not. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I watched a very entertaining minute of it today. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot um, when I asked you to be on the show, by the way, I forgot about all the erotic material at the beginning of this minute. <laughs> And I would like to apologize for that. Well, for Apon Homo Sapien Erotica. (laughs) Yeah. There's got to be fanfic out there somewhere. Oh, I'm certain there is. I'm terrified. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would would like to apologize for not at least warning you that that was in there. (laughs) That's fine. I was shocked. (laughs) Stunned. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But also, had you heard of Dunstan Checks In before this podcast oh absolutely okay i kind of remember when it came out and kind of going who would go see that but there's a strong history of you know um ape films going back to clint eastwood mm-hmm. in every which way but loose you know yeah. and then the the absolutely stunning tv series bj and the bear Hell so yeah wow yeah um, um i'm kind of a f- terrified of how easily i pulled up those references <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be you don't have to be embarrassed or terrified about that on a podcast with two people who have chosen to do a podcast about Dunstan Checks <laughs> In. Just, 
Yeah. It is funny that so many people uh, said exactly what Susan just said, that uh, they remember this movie coming out and thinking, ah, oh, who would go see that? Imagine who would not only go see that, but who 20 years later would start a podcast dedicated to it. Yeah. Everybody That's... needs a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Our hobby is torturing ourselves. Yeah, we're, <laughs> this, we are masochists. Making some poor decisions and then sticking with them. Yeah, are we masochists or are we just like dumb dumbasses yeah. <laughs> yeah, dumb. <laughs> it's a thin line between masochist and dumbass yeah um uh, we should talk about this minute let's though. get into the minute emily uh, bring in the shining whenever you feel ready yeah so susan what we do is we talk about the minute and then when we get to the moment that reminded us of the movie we bring up the movie okay uh so we open with this minute starts continuing the massage that dunstan is giving mm, to mrs delacroce i don't think <sighs> Well, by the time we get to this minute, it is no longer a massage. Well, I guess an erotic massage is still a massage. Yeah. We talked about this in the last minute. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Uh, So Mrs. Delacroce shouts, you are astounding. She believes still that she's talking to William, even though she clearly feels two, uh, you know, orangutan feet on her back and two more orangutan hands hitting her butt. Yeah. Yeah. Because at at first he's just... Maybe she believes that William is using a special instrument. Okay. Like, who knows what his feet look like? I mean, she hasn't seen his feet yet, so. That's true. Well, we don't know what she's seen of William yet. <laughs> That's true as well. We don't know what exactly their arrangement yeah, is. Yeah, we don't. Uh, William, uh, Susan, in the last minute, was the human massage therapist who stepped out of the room uh, without telling Mrs. Delacroce. Well, or he, says, said, he yeah. says he'll be back, but and Dunstan, Dunstan appears faster yeah. than a normal person would be back. Yes. Uh, we we, we yes. see William in this minute. That's true. So Susan not, does get a but, glimpse. But not until after. Yeah. I'm just yeah, establishing. Just a brief, brief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at one point, Dunstan is just standing on her back, swinging his arms around. Yep. Uh, and then she says, I don't know what you're doing, but it's fabulous. I don't know if I think that was fabulous. Ah, uh, Okay. And here, apologies once again to Susan for that I have to go here. Well, being stepped on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not where I was going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, I think Mrs. Delacroce is just so aroused. Desperate. Horned up, yes. <laughs> Thank you for being the one to say horned up so I didn't have to. <laughs> um, that she's just kind of, I think, I think she's just very sensitive to even the slightest touch now. And I think just the, you know, the sort of bouncing of Dunstan's weight as he stands on her is, is just, is doing it for her. Right. She doesn't really care what or who it is as, as long, long as she's getting yeah. hers. As long as long as she's being touched, she's yeah. happy. Uh when when Dunstan does switch to just grabbing her butt. Yeah. Um she does say ow. Yeah. Uh to indicate, you know, pain. Yes. Uh she doesn't really say stop because then she says more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many times do I have to explain to you on this podcast that pain and pleasure can be linked sometimes? <laughs> no, you don't have to explain it. I'm just describing it That's for true. the listener. Just the facts. Because I, I, we have to assume that most people who listen to the show have not seen the film. And are not. I would think it's even safer to assume that they have not seen the film to such an extent that they are familiar with every minute of it just off the top of their head. Yeah. Uh, so she does. She just keeps shouting William at some point. Yeah. Dunstan leaves. Yes. Very quickly. Yes. I do you think he hears William returning? 
or do you think he's be, he's now become uncomfortable by how aroused Mrs. Delacroce is? <laughs> Perhaps. We've talked before about how Dunstan sometimes displays what I would call above human intelligence. Even supernatural. Well, I, I would I think the word I'm going to have to start using is para human intelligence. Oh, okay. In in that I don't I don't think he is capable of like lateral thought in the same way that humans are, but I do think I think he senses things. And I think maybe he sensed that William was going to be entering the room sooner. Or maybe he decided this was the moment to leave her wanting more. Mm. Maybe. Maybe he was just, you know, a a master of timing. As as we talked about in the last minute, maybe this is where he normally leaves uh, uh, Lord Rutledge after that massage. And Lord Rutledge takes care of business somewhere else. (laughs) When we established last week that Lord (laughs) Rutledge probably receives massages from Dunstan, I did... I didn't think we meant it like this. <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> Deep, dark underbelly. Dunstan, Dunstan checks in. Yeah. Uh, but but either way, Dunstan leaves, uh, uh, and he leaves much in the same way that he entered the room, where he's literally, him and William never see each other. Yeah, they just sort of perfectly, their timing lines up. Where, yeah, the yeah. two doors in the room, they both enter or exit at the same exact time. Yes. Um, so then... William comes over. He now has the special lotion. Yes. That he had said he was going to go get. Yeah. And as we talked about in the last minute, we assume maybe this is some kind of sex lotion. Yes. It It is just a regular bottle of, like, white lotion. Yeah, that's weird. I don't think that's sex lotion. I don't think... I think the producers of this film and the prop masters on this film <laughs> were too big of cowards mm-hmm. to really think about what was going on in this scene. Push mm-hmm. the envelope and make it like controversial. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were afraid of the controversy. <laughs> and so they too, we, know we don't want like monkey movies to turn into some big controversial <laughs> discussion over use of sex lotion for massages. <laughs> exactly. I, I also think there's a disconnect between, you know, the, the script writer, the director and the, the actor in the scene. Oh, sure. Uh, the actress who plays Mrs. Delacroce, I believe, was definitely turning up the hornness. Oh yeah, she was here without, for controversy. Yeah, without any input from anyone <laughs> yeah. else. She was she was a bit of a provocateur. She understood what was on the <laughs> yeah. page and in the scene yeah. in a way that I think the screenwriters, the prop master, and everyone else did not. This movie does feel like it was made via a game of telephone. <laughs> <laughs> that I would say, especially the further into the film you get, <laughs> yeah, because there's so much shit that happens later in yeah. this movie <laughs> just that you out just of nowhere. you just couldn't see it coming <laughs> yeah. ten miles away. Yeah, yeah. it's it's nuts. Um, so when William enters, mm-hmm. uh, we don't see exactly. We see Mrs. Del Croce has a foot up. Yeah, uh, and she's still shouting William and more. Yes, he doesn't seem to react to this at all. Yeah. Perhaps that was dubbed in later. I don't know. Well, I mean, we've also talked before about his helmet hair, his perfectly rock solid hair. Mm-hmm. Human. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's not a human? Is that what you're about to say? <laughs> yes. He's a robot. Android. I don't know about Android. I'm thinking more Gollum. <laughs> Boy, you're loving that term. We've been. Ta- I've, I have. I've had Gollums on the brain recently, but I don't think. I don't think William's processes are human or I don't I don't think there I don't think there is a design there mm-hmm. as much as something that was not human was woken up. 
Well, it, isn't that doesn't that make him closer to like uh what what's the what's the name of the creature in Rocky Horror? Is it just Rocky? Yes. Rock- yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> it's just Rocky. It's just Rocky. Uh I I dislike that film in several ways. The but yeah. but there is I think there is a connection here between William and Rocky in that sense. Now what now what do you mean? Rocky is just a Frankenstein. But I think he's made for sex. <laughs> well, Rocky is made for sex. That's that I is think explicit. William might be made for sex. Now I want to do like a whole Rosencrantz, Guildensterner dead kind of thing <laughs> in the background of Dunstan. <laughs> About <laughs> see what's really going on, you know, the stuff we don't see. What is William? Yeah. Where did he come from? <laughs> what is he doing off screen? How was how was he created and why? <laughs> and why? There's this whole dark underbelly of the film. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe Mr. Dubrow had something to do with that. I think he's doing experiments <laughs> in this hotel. <laughs> Mr. Dubrow seems like such a sweet man, though. That's the point. <laughs> Look, in this new era of streaming shows that are all spinoffs of other properties that nobody gives a shit <laughs> Do you about. Think we could get going a TV series that is Mr. Dubrow yeah. conducting um, strange and erotic experience in the basement of the Majestic Hotel. Yes. Netflix would totally buy that. All yeah. right, I think the or, three of us need to need to put together a pitch. <laughs> I think we could sell it to. What, what, I, can't, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Kibi, Kubi. This feels like a crackle idea to me. Well, oh, see, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Crack, crackle for sure. Yeah, I mean, crackle made Joe Dirt too. So this, this, you know. What was it called? Joe Dirt 2? American Dirt? A Beautiful Loser. That's the one. Oh, um, I like American Dirt, though. Well, if you really wanted to get it on Netflix, you would have to put Adam Sandler in it. That's true. That's easy. That's beyond <laughs> yeah. easy. Is this? Yes. Okay. He's just someone else staying there. I mean, He's just stumbling through okay. these scenes. Plot-wise, that's easy. Yes. <laughs> Logistics-wise, I don't know that it's easy. But that's, I'm, I'm trying to... There, there's some new streaming service that's going to be like just on your phone or whatever. You're and talking Spielberg, about QB. QB. And isn't Spielberg like big on it? I don't know. Someone is big on it. Like DreamWorks no owns it or idea some what shit. You're talking about. They're spending so much money for like ten minute shows. Oh, oh wow. I think I heard about this. And it's going to be like more expensive than Disney Plus. It's going to fail foolish. instantly. Yeah. So let's get Dunstan checks in yeah, colon just, the Majestic Chronicles on there. Let's just cash that check before the app fails. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So she, uh, Mrs. Delacroce, we we just see her arm come up uh-huh. and grab William's head. Uh huh. And then presumably pull it down, but the scene ends. Yeah. We go to the next scene. Uh, so William's getting a little more than I think he's expecting in that moment. He just comes in with the lotion. And yeah, we've talked before about what do we think the exact arrangement is between William and Mrs. Yeah. Delacroce. It, it's unclear. Do we know Mrs. Delacroce's first name or is she just Mrs. Delacroce? I thought I knew, but I, Patricia was what I came up with. And I don't think Helen we ever hear is that. what I thought. <laughs> Those are good guesses, I think. I think Helen Delacroce has got a real Ooh, nice ring, a good to, ring it. to it. If it's never revealed, it is Helen now. Okay. That's that's we're putting that in the Majestic Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. We uh, can change her name in every scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, call her by a different first name. Oh, I'm into that. I like that. Uh, so then, now what we see is uh, Lord Rutledge comes running out of an elevator. Uh-huh. Last we saw, he ran into an elevator. That's correct. So whether or not he rode the elevator to a different floor uh-huh. and came back or just stood in it and then jumped out, we don't know. Yeah, that is interesting that he is exiting the elevator on the same floor. <laughs> on the, it is the same floor because he does pass the same cart. Yeah, and he passes the uh, like fitness area. And he, come, he steps out. Yeah. And he notices he's in a, in a flurry. Yes. And he kind of stops, calms himself, and returns to Lord Rutledge mode. Yes. 
uh, which I think is very He gets back in character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we see Kyle walking down a hallway. Yes. Uh, and then... I would like to talk about The Shining. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this hallway, I get bad feelings from it. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, the connection to The Shining starts and ends there. A, oh. a hallway in a hotel that gives you bad feelings, that's The Shining. To me, that's The Shining. Well, the way they shoot this hallway, very Shining-esque. Right. We, the camera pans left and right through from the middle. Yeah. Uh, and then the one way that you look, there's like a lot of doors. Yes. Uh, right. It's it's a little spooky the way Dunstan comes out from behind Kyle. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also like the way that Kyle in in a you know in the rest of the minute he looks forward he sees Lord Rutledge and gets panic and goes the other way. Yeah. It's also weirdly small for a hallway. It's mm-hmm. like Kyle and Dunstan sized more than it is adults. Well, okay. Human it's size. skinny yeah. but tall. See, here's the thing. It's only tall relative to Kyle and Dunstan. I- Guess. I think if I was in that hallway, my head would almost be touching the ceiling. Yeah, it does, it, it has an odd proportion. Yeah, and it seems evil. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I think your shining connection goes further than this though. Okay. Because as I was uh, watching the minute, I was very much getting I mean the the strange erotic vibes at the beginning. There's strange Room erotic vibes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you you have um, there's someone who's chasing after someone and they have to compose themselves. That's true. He's very Lord Rutledge is very uh, Jack, Jack Torrance in this minute. <laughs> yeah. Where he, he's just like rushing into a room and he goes, "Wait, I have to steal myself." Yeah. Yeah, it's very. I I thought this was one of your smartest picks. Really, I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, on the one end of your picks is Fast Fast Six. Yeah, uh, and that I was just like, what the hell? Why? I, I forgot why I picked that. Family. Family. Right. There's a fa- the family. Connection. You just said, oh, it's family. Yeah. And I went, whatever. You know what I stand by that. You obviously don't know how important family is to Dominic Toretto. Uh, and then on this end, it's it's eerie how how much similar it is. <laughs> okay, so let's it talk is. about the show. When I looked at it, I thought because I've just finished rewatching The Shining, and mm-hmm. it it is really creepy how close it is to that film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about The Shining. Susan, you are not a fan. Totally not a fan. Not. A fan. I was hoping, like I said, I saw it when it first came out. I saw it again probably in the 90s trying mm. to see if I had a different perspective on it yeah and re-watching it again I was kind of going all right I'm gonna watch it with an open mind and thinking you know okay it's a Kubrick film um so from a filmmaking standpoint I admire a lot of how he made it because it's a ton of steady cam at a time when there was there really wasn't mm. and a lot of single take shots um but it does not hold together just even from a filmmaking standpoint I don't think it's scary. I don't really think it's terrifying. Yeah. I I think it 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 does have a a level of a steady unease. Because as I was watching it this time I was really making note of how far into the film you have to go before something actually scary happens beyond just like a uh, they have a couple of early moments where it's almost jump scare esque. Yeah, they show like what uh, Danny is seeing in his visions or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I'm just like, okay, well that's cheap. Like yeah. that doesn't feel, you know, that's not an actual like quote unquote scare. Yeah, it's really not until you get to room two thirty seven that I think anything actually scary starts happening. I, I, well, if I can defend The Shining for a second, I would argue that. Uh, Jack Nicholson's performance is terrifying from the get-go. Yeah. If I would be scared to be in a room with that man. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the fatal flaw in it. In the book, yeah. Jack descends into madness. And it's, it's frightening to watch him descend and take his family with him. 
in this from the first shot of him, I'm already going, the man is batshit crazy, like well, right from the get-go. Yeah, it's a completely different character. I, I, yeah. I, I texted this actually to, to my girlfriend when I was watching it. Like The Shining, the book. Have you read the book, Andrew? I've actually never read the book, so I feel like I never have this hang-up that a okay. lot of people have I about have the, the character. I read the book, but I read the book after I saw the movie. Okay. You know, the book we have, we see the slow descent, and it's not just like him going crazy, it's like also the weird, like, essence and spirit of the hotel kind of mingling with his. Right, He's kind of right. losing himself to, like, the collective consciousness of the hotel. Um, but in the movie, he's just, like, a straight up, you know, like, sociopath murderer who now that he doesn't have society around to have to pretend to be normal for he just he can't resist his urge to kill anymore right that's right. pretty good i like that um and i, and that, I think if they played that up more it would have been more interesting because he just seems like this horrible awful guy yeah he's terrible to his wife and child mm-hmm. you never see any affection with them yeah, and she is so pathetically sadly weak. Uh, yeah, she. I maybe I'm just pathetically sadly weak. I actually, I, I really like Shelley Duvall's character because uh, <laughs> she's just kind of, she's just kind of sweet and oblivious. And I, I look at her, I'm like, oh, that'd be me in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> just dumbass who just doesn't get it. Because, yeah. like, I mean, you're right. Like, there are moments where he theoretically shows affection. But it's like, it is so clearly performative. It is so clearly him being like, I am the father. I am supposed to tell my son that I love him. And it just, right. he obviously doesn't. Yeah. And I think that could have, if, if it had gone deeper into that, that would have mm. been a really interesting way to take it if you were going to uh, deviate from the, the novel so far, mm-hmm. then go all the way, you know? And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kubrick made some I would describe very weird decisions making this movie. He's like having read the book and and watching the movie. It is like, it's like he is deliberately trying to avoid making a coherent plot. Like, like yeah. he laser, like precision pinpointed all the parts he would need to take out to make the story not make sense and took them out. Yeah, um, to the point where even um, there's that. Uh, there's like a famous moment in the movie that is famous because to people who haven't read the book, it is just completely fucking baffling. Uh, when you see the person in the first suit, like kind of like a bear or wolf suit, mm-hmm. um, performing fellatio on another person. Yeah. When you see that in the movie and you haven't read the book, it makes absolutely no sense. But yeah. in the book, like that is part of like a whole, like that it's a major, like that is part of the backstory, which is a major part of the novel. Right. All about the class system and how people are using each other. And yeah. Ties into how the hotel is using Jack. And yeah, there's even when, um, Halloran, the cook comes to the hotel. This is my was, only real complaint with the movie actually. So I, I go on. I want, I want to hear you talk about this. It's just so many scenes like when, um, Halloran starts to get the images from Danny that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, there's a good 10 minutes of it that I was watching going, I don't know, am I watching? What am I watching? Yeah. Is, is it him having a vision? Is it Danny having a vision? Are we back in the hotel? Because it's so choppy. Yeah. And it's so strangely put together. And if that was his intention was to keep you off balance, then he achieved it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we're solidly back in the hotel mm-hmm. and it's just like wait a minute I'm, I'm sort of confused about what i was supposed to see is this in their minds did this really happen mm. 
And there's a lot of that towards the end. And maybe Kubrick was trying to intentionally shake reality, but uh, I think he failed. I, I like this movie. I see it, though, as like a pure mood piece. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 when I think about those decisions of like, you know, removing that, that whole backstory of the story, but then including that shot with the first shoot, it just, it seems like everything about this movie is, is purely to evoke a mood with no other intention behind it, which I kind of enjoy. Yeah. I will say, though, like, I really like Dick Holleran in the book. He's, like, quite, like, a capable, competent, like, hero who, like, has The Shining, which is, like, how he's able to communicate with Danny, and he, he's quite effective in his goals when he comes to save them. Um, he Am I remembering this really? He survives in the book, right? He does, yeah. yeah. He saves them. Yes, and then in the movie... He is, you know, he's like kind of charming in one scene, and then he literally like he shows up and gets killed instantly, and yeah, I, that is that, kind of a bummer. That is the one thing I wish I could change so about the movie. So much because when I saw that they cast Scatman Crothers, mm-hmm. who at the time was very popular uh, musician and on TV and stuff like that, and when I saw they cast him, I thought, oh my god, that's perfect casting. Like he's perfect casting for that role. I really like I, I like him in that first scene when he's talking to Danny over the ice cream. Um, I, I just wish we we kind of saw more of him or, or he had more of an ending like in the book. I I almost wonder if some of that is because uh, whether or not it was the idea that it was a horror movie that it is essentially the human characters. Yeah. Except you know it's the, the deaths are very few. Yeah. We see a lot of blood and gore and the horrificness that happened in the hotel in the past. Yeah, the only the only character in the present day that dies in this version is Dick and then Danny. Well, and then yeah, yeah. presumably Not Danny Jack. Presumably Jack dies whether yeah. or not or his spirit gets absorbed into the hotel, however you want to interpret That's that. That's death. He's a ghost. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I like he, that aspect of it. I do like that shift that Kubrick made that it, he's always been a part of the hotel. That yeah. it's not just him arriving, that it's almost like the hotel drew him there. Mm-hmm. That's um, also a weird she, thing, though, that like that does tie into the book's backstory, which he cut out. Right. <laughs> and then you see when Jack is sitting writing at the table, on the desk next to him is a big scrapbook, obviously from the hotel, mm. which is what happens in the novel is he finds, he goes into the basement to look at the boiler to adjust the boiler. Yeah. Uh, which they don't deal with at all. Yeah, it's funny that the boiler is such a pivotal part of the book, and it's literally... Uh, do they even mention it in that opening scene of the movie? I don't know that they do. No, they don't. They don't make it up at all, which is fine. But they never show him, and I hate this when movies do this, like he's sitting with the typewriter, and next to him is the big scrapbook, and you can tell it's obviously old newspaper clips. Mm. But we don't know where that scrapbook came from, or why it's there, or why he's referencing it. And maybe if you've never read the book... It doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah. I saw the scrapbook sitting there. I'm like, they don't explain it at all. <laughs> and that's one of the things that sort of lures. <laughs> it is. Excuse me, lures Jack in is the scrapbook. It is almost like he is taunting fans of the novel. <laughs> <laughs> like, it took everything. Like said, I'm not going to show you anything. Ha, ha, ha. Here's a little scrapbook. You know what it is. Yeah. But nobody else does. I'm going to throw you little hints so that you know it could have been there. But no, I took it all out. I don't yeah, know, that, I, that I almost makes would, me like it more. Else, I kind of do like it for that I, reason. I, in the end, I do enjoy The Shining, but I think much much like Emily, like it's a mood piece. Like it looks nice. Like yes. it has some, the way that it's shot, I mean, it, it's it's shot in such a way that the, the use of color, the use of space, the use of everything is very interesting. Do you think that if Stanley Kubrick was born in, say, 1992, I'm going to make him slightly younger than me, do you think he would be just a prolific 
um, Tumblr user instead of a filmmaker because all, all he, a lot of the time it seems like he really just likes aesthetics. I mean, maybe Vine. I don't think Vine. I think he would, because I, I think all his whole thing is just like aesthetic mood boards as movies. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. There isn't a whole lot. He's never been a great storyteller. Yeah, but uh, he shoots the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this has got, and that's, I think that's what frustrates me about this movie is the potential is there to make a really powerful horror film. Mm. And I don't, I don't know. I don't find this film scary at all, because um, I don't, I, I don't think there's enough build up to figure out what we're supposed to be scared of. Yeah, I find it more unsettling than mm. actually scary. Yeah, and at the, even at the time, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a little older, um, <laughs> so you know, when movies like Halloween and stuff like that came out, those were terrifying because. Mm there wasn't the proliferation of horror films that there are now. Yeah. So those are really scary. And Nightmare on Elm Street scared the crap out of me (laughs) for so many years. And this movie, I think, I don't feel like it has that that horror edge. And I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things in the book that he missed that could have added to it. Yeah. Like topiary animals and all those kinds of things. I don't know how he could make that not look, silly though with 1980 that, technology yeah, 1980 i don't know <laughs> yeah. how you would have done it without making it look like puppets or stop motion yeah it would have had to be one of those yeah and that's probably why they put the maze in instead of the animals yeah um but yeah i don't find it i and even atmospherically i don't feel like it builds maybe that's what i i'm frustrated with there isn't a real build and, well, yeah, uh, it's pretty much the same level of unsettling throughout the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, and, especially... Duvall, and then reading about how what she went through when it was shot. Oh, yeah. You know, that poor woman. I don't know how she didn't stab Kubrick to death. In the middle of <laughs> yeah. It, you know, um, and no wonder she doesn't have a performance because she was so beaten down during the process that mm. she was almost a mannequin just propped up to stand and cry for 18 hours a day. Yeah. You know. I, I also think that level of unsettling does start from the beginning, uh, even when Jack gets to the hotel and the, the guy in charge there tells him the story of, of yeah. Grady. Yeah. Yeah. Of the first of the first Grady, the second Grady, we yeah. don't know, <laughs> but the Grady who, who killed his family. Yeah. Uh, that's the way that they shoot, you know, that Kubrick shot that and the way that that story is told. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I kind of forget about that scene. And then it, whenever it comes, you know, whenever I watch it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, they they really, you know make sure that you don't feel good in this hotel right from the start. Yeah. 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 And even the long drive up, like through the credits, that long drive really helps set the mood for how isolated Mm. it is. Yeah. You know what I thought was a bizarre choice rewatching it that I had forgotten about? The shade of blue they use for the font in those in those opening credits. Oh yeah. no! It's just like it's so it was startling. It's just like it's, like baby it, blue, the it's shining so of the time though. Yeah, true. Because it was it it a lot of TV shows have that same color in their credits and stuff like that. Um, and at the time there weren't a lot you know a lot of big fancy credit sequences. Most of them just kind of cut straight into the credits. Mm rolled over something so there wasn't a you know there weren't big title companies that made fabulously amazing title credits for things at the time Mm. Um, unless Kubrick chose it specifically to make it feel very isolated and cold and distant yeah maybe probably yeah but no there's bits of it that are really good and Nicholson 
as much as he's wildly over the top, he's got some moments in it that are really powerful and really strong. Yeah. And I wish there had been more of those moments. Like there's a long shot where he's, um, Wendy's backing up the staircase, swinging the baseball bat at him. And he's just trying to get her to give him the bat. And that's one of the moments that stands out to me because it's a long scene. Yeah. And he's not wildly over the top. He's focused and he's crazy. Mm. And that to me is more terrifying when he's more almost sane appealing appearing than yeah. when he's over the top and crazy. Yeah, those few moments when he actually sort of successfully manages to appear sane. Uh but you yeah. I mean you know who he is. Like I, I also find it, it kind of scary when he comes back from room two thirty seven and he says, Oh, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, I I just I don't know why he's saying that. Is he saying that because he doesn't want to admit what he saw? Does he not believe what he saw? Is he trying to, you know... I think he's gaslighting. Charlie yeah, or is he gaslighting? I, I think that's what he's doing. The, yeah. the, you know, by that point, he's so taken over by the hotel. Yeah. Mm. And and that scene in the bathroom is sort of the last seduction, I think, to pull him into the hotel. Yeah. Um, in the book, it's a little different because he is so staggered by what he saw and uncertain about what he saw that he doesn't want to admit to Wendy that he has seen this thing mm. because they're trapped and he knows there's no way they can get out at this point. Yeah. So yeah. rather than feed into it, he chooses not to tell her. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's a different intention, but it results in the same thing. Mm. But yeah, I think it just, it wasn't, <clears throat> I think a little more nuance would have made it a much better, a much stronger film. Yeah. You know? I, I, I could, I could see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Although I'm in the minority and not many people feel like I do. Most people think it's a brilliant, well, incredible well, I, piece. Well, I do make. remember when it came out, it like won the Razzie. Oh, right. It? Yeah, it won like the first Razzie. Interesting. Well, it's the here's Johnny moment that I'm just like, oh my God, really? <laughs> well, I've forgotten think... that he's doing multiple bits in that scene because before he says here's Johnny, when he comes into the main front door, he he's says, Wendy, I'm, I'm home. Yeah. 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 And that, I, I bought that, but when he hit the Here's Johnny, I almost left the theater. I was just like, oh, that's... That, I kind of like the Here's Johnny, because when he starts as, like, unhinged as he is, you know, for the beginning parts of the movie, to just go into, like, full-on cartoon character, like, this, like that's what Bugs Bunny would say if he was murdering his wife and child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I to, to bring out another uh, fact, the, the myth is that uh, Kubrick... Uh, having lived in uh, London at the time, didn't realize that it was a reference to the Johnny Carson show. Oh, really? That's yeah. not true. That's the myth. There's no. I'm way just telling that's you, true. that's the myth. There's no way that's correct. I. That's what I read. <laughs> okay. What would you think it is? He just thought it was fun. He was like, "Wow, he really went into it." Like, oh, just, so you're saying John, 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 Jonathan Nicholson, Nicholson? I can talk. Words are my craft. Um, you're saying that he said it as a reference, but Cooper didn't get it. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, then that that I can maybe. Buy. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, I was unclear. <laughs> you were saying no. Kubrick put it in, not realizing no, that it was no, a no, reference. No, no, no. Nicholson did it on set. Uh, okay. And Kubrick and, apparently didn't realize that it was a reference to a TV show. Interesting. And so I I don't know if he thought that because you know sometimes John and Jack are weirdly interchangeable names. Well, yeah. Sometimes Jack is a nickname for John. Yeah. Uh, no sense to me whatsoever. But <laughs> hey, I mean. No rules, baby. Do what you want. <laughs> if, Bill, if Bill can be short for William, why the fuck not? 
I don't know why that stands out as weirder to me than Jack for Johnny. B B and W. Switch I switching. I don't, I don't see that switch. That, that doesn't mean, make any sense to me. That's a simpler switch than Ack for on. Yeah, but Jack's like you know, Jack just it, it feels like a general name. Like I like your name is Andrew, and I feel like I, I feel like hey, I might say hey, Jack to you. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jack feels like a nickname, but Bill feels like a name. Oh. See what I'm saying? Should, yeah, I'm, it's just try, get going from John to Jack. Like, how do you, why, why? <laughs> it's the same amount of letters. Usually you short, you give a nickname to shorten a name. Mm-hmm. Not to, so Jack and John, anyway. That's I to feel, show you're a party boy. Well, but I feel like Jack. That's why John F. Kennedy went by Jack. He's a party boy. Classic so I, party boy. I think Jack and John are, are the, the nicknaming style there is that there's so many Johns. When you have True. three Johns in a room, one of you is Jack and the other one's JJ. Like it's John, Jack, and JJ. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And the yeah, one I, who's the party boy is the it, one who gets Jack. Jack, yeah. Yeah. Growing up as, growing up as Susan um, in, a, in middle school, there were three of us that sat one right behind each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So it had to be Sue, Susie, and Susan. <laughs> and I am not either a Sue or a Susie. I will kill you. So I was always the Susan in the group. <laughs> I guess now. That's good. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say about The Shining? Nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> we, we've this all said really our piece. Fun. It was really cool to go back and watch it again just to... Mm-hmm just as a reference and to see it again and see if it is held up over the years. Yeah. All right. Back into the minute. Yeah. Let's Kyle was walking. Minute. Kyle was walking down the hall. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. There's a minute. Isn't there? <laughs> yeah. We're almost done. <laughs> the hall is spooky. Dunstan appears behind Kyle. Uh, I believe Dunstan snorts. He makes a noise uh-huh. that, that gets Kyle's attention unintentionally. I believe. Yeah. I believe Dunstan meant to be sneaky. And try to get into the second room. He's reaching up for a doorknob. Yeah. Meant to be, sne- you know, Dunson's in check intentions are something that are always going to be a little bit murky to me. Yes. <laughs> uh, but when Kyle sees him, he says, Dunson, come on, we got to get out of here fast. Mm-hmm. He grabs his hand. That's when they turn. The camera pans down the one way. We see Lord Rutledge is uh, talking to some kind of employee at the spa. Yeah. Uh, you can't really hear what he's saying. He just says something like, oh, how much is a massage? Like, I think he's asking about the massages yeah. as a cover for being in the area or to go and see a room or something. Yeah. Uh, so then we see them bolt down the other way. Mm-hmm. The last shot of the minute is they doors make, open. They make like John Travolta and they bolt, bolt. down the there hallway. It is. <laughs> uh, but the, door, the doors that we see opening are in the same style as the massage room stores, the doors, the ones that look like linen closet doors with yes. the, the slats on them. Yes. So that's what we see opening. Mm-hmm. So... Who's going to walk through them? Only the next minute knows. Yeah. This minute has no idea. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, well uh, what, go on. Oh, and this, we should announce the next minute yeah. movie. Which you picked. I picked to pair minute 46. Spooky Summer continues Spooky with... Summer does continue unintentionally. Yeah. I didn't know you were doing Spooky Summer when I made my picks. Well, I'll say I didn't know I was doing... I just made my picks and I was like, oh, I picked three horror movies. Yeah. It's Spooky Summer. <laughs> uh, I have chosen a pair, Minute 46, with Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited. I am stoked. <laughs> uh, Susan, do you want to tell uh, tell people where you know they can find you online or, or otherwise? Sure. You can find me on all social media at Life on Its Side. Uh, my website is lifeonitsside.com. 
Uh, I'm the founder of the Women on the Dark Side panel, which you'll see at a lot of conventions. Our next appearance is going to be at LA Comic Con in October. Um, we currently have a film festival uh, that's open for submissions to female filmmakers who make darker content, so dark comedy, fantasy, thriller, sci-fi, horror, whatever. Um, submissions are open on Film Freeway, and you can just search Women on the Dark Side Film Festival. Awesome. Cool. Thank uh, you so much. This was a blast. Yeah, thank yes, you for thank being on you. the show. Uh, you can find uh, me uh, on other podcasts, such as Nothing New, a remake podcast, or myself and Justin Kizan talk about uh, film remakes. Uh, our last episode, uh, oh, it's still the X-Men one, so check that out. X-Men, you know, whatever it was called. X-Men The Last Stand and Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix, both stories of, of Jean Grey becoming the Phoenix. Of Jean Grey. Jean Grey. <laughs> uh, and you can find that at com slash nothing new. Uh, and then the other show I do is called It's On My List. It's on my list pod.com. Uh, every month, me and, and five or so other people get together and we talk about films that are on our lists or people films that people say you should see. We did cover The Shining. Oh, that was you? our second episode. Interesting. Uh, almost a year ago. Wow. Uh, so if you want to hear more thoughts on Stanley <laughs> Kubrick's uh, horror question mark film, <laughs> yeah. uh, go listen to that episode. Uh, and you can find that on, it's on my list pod.com uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at podcaster Andrew you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at very cool Emily uh, I also host a show with Justin keys on from nothing new uh, I host it with Justin and another guy called Vic Perfecto uh, that shows go go Godzilla it's where the three of us take every Godzilla movie and give you the the how and why of, of how that specific Godzilla movie got made at that time you can go to benvnetwork.com slash Godzilla to find that. Um, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Emily. I forgot to say that one earlier. Um, and you can follow this show on Twitter at MajesticHotelNY. You can follow us on Instagram at DunstonChecksman. There you go. And you can uh, email us, DunstonChecksman at gmail.com. Correct. And uh, on Patreon. Patreon.com slash DunstonChecksman. And on YouTube. And on YouTube, but you got to search us there. Just search DunstonChecksman. Every yeah. week I take the trailer for the movie we're talking about and I mash it up with the minute that we're talking about it with to make a fun little mashup. I don't it's, know. It's a lot of fun. Um, and your iTunes review challenge season every week we give the we give the listeners a challenge of something they can write in the text of an Apple podcast review. Um, what do you, you got anything this week? Uh, I think people in honor of spooky summer. Okay. Just in give us five stars, obviously. Obviously start with five Thank stars. You. Uh, and then write just in like three words or less. Oh, three words or less. Like something just quick. What scares you? Okay. <laughs> you are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just a quick scare. Yeah. Just a quick fear. So go to Apple Podcasts, five stars, and then in the text body of your review, three words or less, what scares you? This is like uh, unleashing a Bogart upon our fans. <laughs> so many things. Yeah. That's three words. That's perfect. That's yeah, words. there it is. There are so many things. <laughs> Uh, so uh, thanks again, Susan, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. This was a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, and we'll end the episode as we always end every episode now. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to do this in front of a guest. Here we go. Do it, do it, do it! <laughs> and remember, Dunstan is spelled with a U. Fuck! And we're checking out.
all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. And amusings are your musings. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Hi, I'm David. And I'm Kayla. And if it wasn't readily apparent from that, we're huge nerds about Disney. That's why we're doing the Animusings Podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a film in detail from the Walt Disney Animation Studios filmography, covering them in chronological order, from Snow White to Moana and beyond. To Moana and beyond! Sweetie, we're not doing Pixar yet. We'll do that after. And that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Kayla and I, and maybe a guest or two, as we explore the Disney animated canon, film by film. With the hope that it'll be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Ooh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Walt. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.